Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where we empower you to be your finest self, living life on your own terms. And today I have a guest who does exactly that and helps others do the same. Welcome, Wendy Cock. Wendy is the author of Making Flex Work, Defining Success on Your Own Terms, as a chemical engineer by training and spent over 20 years in Fortune 500 companies, leading technical teams across time zones, borders, and languages. As a working mother, which I think many of us are, Wendy has redefined success for herself according to her values, which is something you know exquisitely aligned is all about. About 10 years into her career, when her oldest child was still an infant, Wendy pursued a flexible work arrangement. She was told that while the company supported her desire to pull back, her career would stall and she would never move up the in the organization. But her successful negotiation of flexible working arrangements did not slow her career trajectory and eventually led her to publish a book about how others can do the same. She is an inspiration to all those who want to thrive in both their personal and professional lives. Today, Wendy manages her extended family, family lovingly referred to as the rolling circus, which includes support for her mother, grandmother, and is the founder of Engineering Leadership Solutions, LLC, where she provides technical consulting management, coaching, and leadership development. Welcome, Wendy. Delighted to have you here with us. It is so great to be here with you. So I wanted to start with something I've heard you say before, and um, it kind of made me chuckle inside. So I realize that I'm older than you, Just or I'm guessing little. I am. <laughs> I'm guessing I am. And I remember growing up, my mom was a stay-at-home ma mother of three. We also had a cat. And of course, she took very good care of my dad and still does. But I've heard you say that you were raised at a, with a stay-at-home mom who ran a business. And that part made me chuckle. So I wonder if you could maybe um, tell us a little bit about that and... Um, I think that was a very unique experience back then. I think it happens more so now. But what was it like for you? And what did you realize as that child? Certainly. So I do say I was raised by a stay-at-home mom. That's what I thought. My entire life, I thought I was raised by a stay-at-home mom. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized that my mom actually ran her own business out of our home. She had employees. We had people that worked in our home. We had people that did work for her outside of our home. So I really have a warped sense of what stay-at-home mom means <laughs> from a very young age. Um, I, my mom and, and dad were a dual-income family. Mm -hmm. um, I was a child of that late 70s, early 80s time. And my mom didn't want to go back to work. She loved being a mom today. Every child in her life calls her Nana. <laughs> I have friends that don't even know that her real name is Kathy. Um, they just call her Nana. Some of the children call her Nana Kathy. Um, but she is just one of those people that was put on this planet to be a, a caregiver, right? She was meant mm -hmm. to be a mother and a grandmother. And she did not want to go back to her corporate job once she had been at home. But we also weren't in a position to be able to be a single income family. 
And so the family needed to figure out what to do for some extra money. My dad had a degree in textiles mm-hmm. and my mom had grown up uh, in on a farm, not afraid to work um, and had been working in some consumer facing type roles and administrative roles in some pretty big technical companies. And they figured out that she could sew because she knew that from working on the farm. My mm-hmm. dad knew textiles, so they knew fabrics. They created a textile business in the shed in our backyard. Wow. So that she could sew during the day Mm -hmm. and she could do sales calls on the phone while I was napping. Mm -hmm. She would take me to uh, sales calls. So the big thing that they made early on in my childhood was the giant 16 foot towels that they put in the machines that clean bowling lanes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know that they still do this, but they used to have these machines that would go up and down the bowling lanes to get all the dust off of them. Yeah, yeah. And my mom made those towels that went inside of there that were custom that would roll through those machines. Wow. So in the evenings, we would come home and my dad and mom would push all the furniture aside in the living room and we would roll fabric all the way down and cut it and then roll the, the roll back and then roll it down and cut it and roll it back. And then my dad would get up the next morning and go to his, what we would call his real job, right? The one that brought home the benefits and the big salaries. And my mom would, I would play in the backyard and my mom would sew with the shed doors open mm. so she could watch me play. Right. And then it would be nap time and she would close the shed and we would go inside. And eventually this business grew to a point that she had sewers that worked in other places that she would mm-hmm. take it. Almost all of my teenage friends worked for my mom at some point as wow. a part of their childhood. Um, I just thought that's what stay-at-home moms did. I thought your option was you went to a corporate job or you stayed at home and worked. I never, it never crossed my mind that that's not how it was supposed to be. Besides the laundry, the cooking, the probably paying the bills, you know, all the shuffling, the chauffeuring you to wherever you needed to be, right? All of those she made, things. Yeah, she made flex work before there was a book. Um, I do remember she had a hard and fast rule that her business was closed on Fridays because Fridays was the day she did all the housework. So Fridays was the day that everything in the house surrounded around getting the house ready for the weekend and cleaning Mm -hmm. out, you know, whatever had happened during the week. But yeah, she, every day she would work and they, we would finish before my dad came home and she would have dinner ready when he was ready. She did all the things that a very traditional stay-at-home mom would do and was running a very successful business, uh, you know, that I didn't even know really the impact of it until I was much older. Well, and I was laughing when you were talking about rolling out fabric, not because it's funny, but because I used to do that. So uh, I grew up with my Nana, uh, my mother's mom, and uh, she taught me how to sew at a young age because she was a seamstress. I always wanted to work in the fashion industry, which I went to college for and did for my early part of my career. Um, But in high school, I sewed for myself and I was paid by friends to make them clothing. And so I'd be rolling. I had to move furniture away so that I could roll. I mean, especially you're talking, I think you said 16 feet long, you know, depending on how wide it's it's hard to find place. I used to take over my parents' dining room table and my mother's like, okay, how much more are you sewing? Like, when are you going to be? Because we're having like, 
I just, yes, and I need these pins off the floor, you know, because they're always constantly, you're dropping pins everywhere. So, you know, when somebody steps on one, oh, you're in trouble. So, yes, that's why I was nodding my head and laughing, just so you know, because I know what it's like to be rolling out fabric. And, and some of those bolts are so long and so heavy that you're like, can you help me with this? As yeah, an so adult. their industrial fabric was, yeah. uh, it was not uncommon for these rolls to be between two and 300 pounds. Oh, and yeah. they were, you know, between four and five feet. In, in height, and we it would take two people to move them. I thought every house had a hand truck. <laughs> I thought that was a very normal thing for a house to have. Um, I learned to use a serger, which mm -hmm. is the, the, for people that don't know fabric, it's the part where it wraps around and keeps the fabric from unrolling or unraveling. Mm -hmm. But it also has a very fast moving razor blade on it. Um, I learned to sew with that when I was really small because I thought it was cool and it was a straight line. So it was something I could do. Um, and then we had a box tacker at our house for a while that makes those cute little X's on mostly on your jeans yeah. uh, where pockets attach. Uh, yeah. So we had all sorts of equipment that I just thought was totally normal. In our right. House. And I mean, it's funny because I grew up, I think, following my father who was handy, who is handy. And, you know, I realized when I started dating like, what do you mean you don't know how to drill and run wire through the wall? You know, back then when we had house phones, right? You know, like I wanted a phone in my bedroom. So my parents said, okay, fine. I just, you know, ran the wire. And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like you do. You start thinking that everything in your house is the equipment that like, you know, I was like, you don't have a power drill. You don't have a, you know, like listing different things that I just assumed people had, had. multiple size levels. You know what I mean? Like multiple, like a store, a Lowe's or a Home Depot in your, in your garage where you roll out the drawers and you have any size screw, uh, bolt, uh, washer that you might need, you know, it's like, no, I go to the store for that. I'm like, oh, I was spoiled. I just would go in my dad's like things and pull out. So I understand completely. So um, thank you for sharing that and um, how wonderful to have that experience. I think also you mentioned about your friends being able to work for, for your parents as well and how, you know, I think sometimes being an entrepreneur is a blessing, but sometimes can feel like a curse, right? There are days we want to say, I'm done, I quit. Um, or at least that's how I feel. But, um, you know, when we are able to be an entrepreneur or start a business and then hire people, we're allowing other people to bring in an income, to learn things that maybe they never would learn. You know, it's this ever giving back. I mean, you're bringing in an income, but you're able to give other people an income. You're able to give other people um, skill sets, uh, experiences of how to work in a business field. And so, you know, kudos to your parents for um, being able to do that for, like you said, your friends and other people, because that's um, something I always say to people. Don't think so small, you know, make it a bigger, you know, what could it be in five years, in seven years, in 10 years? And um, 
So I love that about it. I don't know how you felt about having your friends coming over to work versus coming over to hang out and, and chat and do everything. But no, uh, I loved it. Um, yeah. The ironic part is I, as soon as I could get a job, not at my, working for my parents, I left the house to work. So my <laughs> friends were coming to my house as I was leaving to go to a job. Um, you know, I, I knew what the minimum wage was in the state of Georgia when I was in middle school, because that's my, my allowance was getting paid to work in the family business. Um, I think I was the only one in sixth grade that knew when minimum wage went up by a nickel. Uh, but, but what it allowed me to do was see all the different ways that work could work Yes, in a way that so many people see work as this fixed structure. Mm -hmm. This is where it starts and this is where it stops. I saw work very much as a fluid thing in my life. Yes. And it was a perspective that I appreciate now that I have my own career in my own business mm -hmm. and my children watch that same thing. Right. I was, my daughter even was mentioning it to me last night. I have uh, two children. Uh, the summer is we're recording this in the summer and summer is a big time in our house because we all have birthdays in the summer. So I have a rising 10-year-old and a rising 13-year-old. Probably by the time this airs, they will be 10 and 13. That's okay. how close it is. Um, but my 10-year-old, I told her we were driving home from a swim meet last night. It was 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And I told the kids, I said, when you get home, I'm going to need you to go ahead and put all your things where they need to go to dry, get your swim bag unpacked. I had a client send me an email that they need something before the morning. I'm going to run upstairs and just do it really quickly. It'll take me about right. 10 minutes. By the time you get done and you're ready to go to bed, I'll meet you in your room. Yeah. And she said, isn't it fun that you can do work anytime? Right. And exactly. I said, yes, yes. It's so right. fun that I get to do work anytime because I could stop at three o'clock and get them ready for the swim meet exactly. and have no guilt about it. Jump right back on at 10, knock out that last bit of work. Exactly. And I think the key part of that is that you could stop at three o'clock, you right. know, that um, it doesn't have to be uh, something where you're tied to your desk all day long, all weekend long, and so forth. You know, it's setting those boundaries. But it, for me, it's mostly our desire. Well, exquisitely aligned is about our soul level truths, our heartfelt desires, and then our gifts and talents. And being able to use them as needed. And you were talking about the flexibility or so coming from my yoga background as a yoga instructor, I love flexibility because things change. Your desires may change when your kids are, uh, let's say, in college. Um, your desires from having toddlers to having kids at this age, which I think is middle school, right? Elementary right. and middle and then in high school, that can change. And so to be able to be flexible, no matter what we're doing, whether it be in our work, in our relationships and so forth, I think is so key because life changes. I mean, right, we just finished a pandemic, or at least I hope we're finished um, as I look out the window. But, um, you know, so much has changed. And I think that you hit on something a little bit earlier about you know, we think it's uh, this career is supposed to be like this. And it's a very narrow looking, um, in my opinion. OK, in my opinion, it's very narrow and tight. It's like a box. 
and you're supposed to get in there. Oh, come on, Wendy, bend your arm over your head. Okay, now tuck your chin. Okay, let me get, squeeze you in there and tape you in, you know, and you're like, wait, no, it's dark. I can't breathe. I'm stifled. This doesn't really feel like me and it doesn't look good on me, right? At least that's how I feel. I don't like being pushed into anything. And um, I think in our society, we think like that often, right? So your background as an engineer, I think people think, oh, an engineer should look like, feel like, talk like, dress like, and, you know, I don't know, post like this on social media. I'm teasing you. But have you ever felt that in your, in, in that part of your field? Of course. If I think back to my days in college, when I was at Georgia Tech, there we had something they called the ratio. We're not allowed to talk about that anymore because Georgia Tech is a much more diverse air, uh, school than it used to be. But uh, there were five, four men for every one female student on campus. Mm, mm -hmm. So there were often times where my girlfriends and I would be eating lunch in the big cafeteria and look around and we were the only women mm -hmm. in the cafeteria. It was not uncommon to be one of one or three women in a class. This is not that long ago. Right. Um, but at a school that didn't really have a liberal arts program, we were very heavy on the men <laughs> in the school. Um, so there is, there's a pressure sometimes to say, how do I fit in? But right. then there's also a, a place and I've, I've been very, very lucky throughout my career to never feel like I couldn't do something because I was a female. Right. I was never told I couldn't do something because mm -hmm. I was a female. Um, my dad had a daughter and he raised her to do the things that she wanted to do, right? Like yeah. nobody in my house told me I couldn't do something because I mm -hmm. was a girl. I was out there using the tools and, and doing all those things with my dad as well. So I never really felt out of place with the boys. Yeah. When I got married, my husband had this big, uh, he had a joke with some of my, my guy friends that he felt like he was rejoining another fraternity because he needed that like sign off on the fraternity <laughs> paddle from all the men in my life before he could marry me. Um, because my friends were guys. Yeah. And then I got to work and I worked in engineering where there were a lot of men working. Um, um and in those instances, I was so lucky to be surrounded with men who valued smart people. Yes. Didn't care right. what gender. They valued hustle and they valued brains and they valued desire to get things done and to learn. And probably the hugest, the biggest compliment was when they would treat me like they would treat their daughter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they they would put their arm around me and tell me, you know, like, let me go show you something. And they go point at the thing and teach me. I remember going into manufacturing facilities. And if I could find that one operator or that one machinist or that one warehouse guy who would relate to me as if I was his kid sister or his daughter, I could learn so much more than my peers. Mm -hmm. I would put my ponytail on and look super unassuming and they would go and show me the behind the scenes of everything. It mm -hmm. actually became a little bit of a game that mm -hmm. some of my more senior colleagues would say, we're not going to talk to you until lunch. Go figure out what you can find out because they will tell you things they won't tell us. <laughs> um, 
So in all these ways of not fitting in, it's a choice. It's an intentional choice to say, do I feel like an outsider Mm -hmm. or am I choosing to embrace that I'm different and Mm -hmm. that these people are including me in a different way? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite stories was I joined the management team in a major fortune uh, 100 company. And uh, on the supply chain side, in this particular part of the business, I was the only female when I came in. There were no, there were no women at my level in the organization and higher. They were having a big offsite meeting. We were doing uh, three days. The first day was meetings. The second day, we were going to one of the manufacturing facilities all together to take a tour and learn mm-hmm. some best practices. And then the third day was golf, of course. So um, the first day, they have all these shirts lined out. And the admin had sent a note and just asked everybody's sizes. I was naive. I said medium. <laughs> that's, that's what size I wear. <laughs> so I get there and all the shirts are laid out. And, and the my supervisor is an amazing man who I have worked for three times in my career. So that was the first time I worked for him. And he was so excited. And he said, I'm so glad you're going to be a part of this leadership team. We have all the shirts. And I knew right away we were going to have a problem. Like, Houston, <laughs> we have a problem. I could see a white collar and a bunch of buttons. All yeah. of a sudden, I realized I had not been specific enough in my size, but I didn't yeah. say anything. I just put it in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he at, at lunch, he says, did you get your shirt? And I said, yeah. He says, do you think it's good? I said, I'm sure. I just put it in my bag. I'll deal with it later. <laughs> I know I know who's someone who knows how to sew. <laughs> I, I'll be fine. My problem was I needed to wear it the next morning. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so um, a tip for any of your listeners that ever might get in these situations, always take backup clothes. <laughs> so I always carry a couple of extra tank tops, a couple of extra, you know, yeah. under type clothes. I never know exactly what's going to fit some extra hair ties, some accessories that can go with just about anything. And uh, so I get into my room. I open, of course, it's a men's medium, long sleeve, <laughs> white button down shirt. <laughs> And it's just swallows me when I put it on. But very quickly, I say, oh, I'm not going to wear the pants I was going to wear. Jeans it is. So I've got my jeans. I roll the sleeves up so that they can hit about three quarters. (laughs) So they're not way out here. And um, I don't button it. I leave it open and I tie it and I put on my backup tank top underneath it. Yeah. I come out. I'm like, I've nailed it. I have got this whole outfit pulled together. I walk out and my boss, I can see all the blood run out of his face. (laughs) And he's like, it doesn't fit. (laughs) And I said, no, it's great. Check it out. I'm good. Let's go. (laughs) You know, I could have been mad that the shirt didn't fit. I could have felt discriminated against because they didn't think to ask me if I needed a women's size. I could have chosen to wear something else and stand out even more. Right. But instead I was like, you know what? We're going to make this work. And how are we going to make it amazing? Right. (laughs) We're going to go because I can wear it differently than the men. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I have that freedom. Yeah. We have, we have so many options. See, I was thinking I would have, I would have crisscrossed it and tucked it in the back. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a great idea. It would over, well, see, you could have 
want it one day this way, one day that way, you know, like not tie, you know, straight, like you said, so many options, you know, that's, uh, I think we always have to find that flexibility and, um, you know, not feel stuck or trapped in, in such a narrow focus, right? Oh, this is a button down shirt. I have to wear it with the sleeves long and the buttons up to here, you know, no, it's um, coming from the fashion industry. I always feel like you have to put your own spin on it. I was lucky that I went to um, public school all my life. So I never had to wear a uniform because that would have been a really big challenge for me. I don't like ever looking like someone else um, unless you're planning it. Like I have a younger sister. So at one point we had matching bikinis, uh, actually more than once now that I think about it, uh, two that I can remember pictures of, but, you know, maybe with a best friend. But other than that, you know, when I'm my kids did go to a school where they needed to wear uniforms K through eight. And um, luckily they liked it. So we're lucky we live in this free will world where we have these options and choices to find the ability to make things work. And I'll just share a, a quick story. When I married Mark, my husband, um, he was already a, a practicing physician and loved what he did. But over time, the practice he was with was making decisions that really didn't align or match up with his desires and his truths and ours as a family. And so, you know, I was like, get out, the writing is on the wall, you know, and he, he's like, okay, well, I need to look for another physician seeing patients all day position. And so we started interviewing, you know, again, very narrow. This is what I do. I signed a, you know, uh, a document that says I'm here to help the people. I can't think of the right word of that document, but anyway, their oath. Oh, the Hippocratic Oath. Yes, their oath. And he was very, you know, will, wanting to stay with that. But as the interviews kept happening, he realized, you know, there were options in that field, but the one that sounded intriguing to him was also intimidating. I like to say that's an invitation for us to step into something different, and he did. And so now he does life insurance medicine and has been, and it affords him to work from home. And he's no longer being called, you know, in the middle of the night to deliver a baby. Um, He's able to be here for the kids' birthdays and special events and stuff like that. And you know, it's it's such a blessing, but it was very hard for him initially to break out of that mold of, hey, I took an oath. I went to medical school. I invested all this money and time. So did that ever happen to you? Did you ever feel where like, oh, wait, hold on. I'm supposed to, you know. I think we all do. And I think your husband's story can be told by everyone at some point in their mm-hmm. career. I actually kind of hope everybody gets the chance to do that. <laughs> I'm calling this phase of my career, my first retirement. Uh, I spent 20 years in corporate doing all the things I was supposed to do as a chemical engineer. So mm-hmm. I went into research and development, check, right? I got a patent for a medical device, check. I moved into program management to launch new medical devices. Check. 
I moved into management so I could lead and have more influence. Check. Mm -hmm. I took a cross-functional assignment to go into the supply chain and manufacturing organization and lead more broadly. Check. I moved into director level of a program office sitting in in a strategy organization. Check. And then I took an 180 degree career pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, the medical device industry has a lot of restructure all the time. It is very yeah. common to be bought, sold, spun off, acquired, <laughs> all of these, these very fancy words. Um, and I went through several of those. And in one of those, I had the opportunity to leave mm-hmm. their choice, not mine best decision they ever made for all of us. I think they are probably happier without me and I know I am happier uh, (laughs) where I am now, Uh, but it really gave me the opportunity to think through how do I want the next chapter of my career to look. Right. And I thought I was going to immediately jump back into another company. As a matter of fact, like many of us, I just reacted without thinking Mm -hmm. in the panic. We just do. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband calls it my tactical mode, right? It's like, there is an emergency. How do I jump into action? Yeah. And I went through interviewing all the way to a final decision with a company. And my husband's just looking at me smiling the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, you know, you're not taking that job, right? I said, if I might, I might take that job. And he says, no, you're not, you're not taking that job. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? And he says, because for our entire marriage, we have dreamed of what we want to do when we retire. Mm-hmm. That's one of our favorite things to do on a road trip right. is when the kids have fallen asleep in the back or they both have their headphones on is to start thinking about what are we going to do when they're not in the back seat with their headphones on? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Wendy, you have been clear since the beginning of our marriage, what you want to do when you retire. Mm-hmm. So I still don't know. He, he, comes and goes with cycles of things. He knows he wants to fish and he knows he wants to golf, but he's not sure what else. But I knew I wanted to go into consulting and I knew I wanted to go into coaching and training. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought retirement looked like. I never really envisioned myself just sitting on the beach all day. Now I will spend my fair share of time sitting on the beach Mm -hmm. in my second retirement, but in my (laughs) first retirement, Maybe not. And he said, why, why are you going through all these jobs? Why are you think you're doing this? Your company just gave you the opportunity to retire. Exactly. So go do that. Yeah. And it was like being freed. I was able to very go with your $200. (laughs) Here's the money. Go, (laughs) go be free. Do the thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. So today, as we sit here, I run my own business, Engineering Leadership Solutions, where we do technical consulting, continuous improvement, program and project management. I help establish PMOs and management systems and reporting and structure for companies that are looking for kind of that next level in growth. Mm -hmm. I wrote Making Flex Work. As an engineer, I wrote and published a best-selling book. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought that's not something you're supposed to do? That is not on the career path of uh, (laughs) engineers. Um, and I get to do podcasts and I get to go to trainings uh, with people and I get to help uh, employees reimagine work and managers figure out how to create opportunities for their team that they can't even imagine yet. Mm -hmm. 
And then I additionally got this opportunity to go join the faculty at Georgia Tech, where I serve as a professor of the practice and teach biomedical engineering, Mm -hmm. something I didn't think was possible because I don't have a PhD. And in the engineering world, I thought you had to have one of those to be a a faculty Mm -hmm. member at a major university. Mm -hmm. No, you get to make your own way. Right. And I wish people would tell the 20 year old that it's all about what's the right decision now. How are you building up your portfolio so that you can do Mm -hmm. the things that make sense for you? Because what makes sense for you when you're single is different than when you are married and it is, or with a partner. And it is different than when you bring an animal into the mix. And it's Mm -hmm. different than when you bring a baby into the mix. And it's different Mm -hmm. than when you bring a teenager into the mix. What you need is going to change. And what you desire, like you said earlier, is going to change. Yeah. So why aren't we thinking about our careers just as fluidly as we are thinking about these other things? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like to work with teens, especially as they're looking towards, um, you know, careers and then making decisions for colleges and things like that. That is uh, one of the things I enjoy doing because it's like shining a light. I think oftentimes you were talking about checking off the boxes and uh, it's so true, especially in high achieving people. We want it. We pass go, we got this degree, then we got this career, then, you know, whatever, maybe more degrees, so forth. And, um, I tell my kids all the time and each of their friends, you're so fortunate to be alive during this time where things are changing so quickly and you can change so quickly and pivot and turn and take whatever gifts and talents that you have and use them in a totally different industry even. You know, things that you never even imagined. My husband never imagined working for, you know, a, a a huge, wonderful company that's well over a hundred years old that really loves their employees. And he still can teach. That was one of the things, you know, I, I'm, I want to be with residents. Well, now he's teaching underwriters and that's what he does majority of the time. And, uh, if that's what brings you joy is teaching, you know, then you keep, you keep teaching and find different ways. And, um, it's so fun to be flexible and it's so fun to explore is the other word I would throw in there to really see what, what is calling you at that time. Like you said, things change. Sometimes it's things within our home, like you were mentioning bringing in a puppy, right? Then we have to be at home at certain hours, bringing in a child, but also it could be that environment outside, like you mentioned it being you know, the buy ounce and this and that. And um, sometimes those times where we struggle, like you mentioned, losing your position can be one of the greatest blessings if we allow it. And yes, it is so common to go into what I call 911 mode. Okay, I lost my career. I'm going to replace it with another career. You know, okay, maybe it maybe it's a, from a hot tea to a water, but it's still a, a cup of something, you know, and it still provides salary, benefits, so forth. Vacation is one of the benefits and you know, sometimes it, we don't have to replace it exactly the way it is. And what I love from my yoga teaching time is finding the, the peace in that stillness, 
we're always being active as um as high achieving people, right? Always taking action, always moving towards the next. But sometimes the next is to sit still and find peace in the silence, peace in the quiet, peace in the not having an income, peace in not having a schedule. So people like your husband can speak and you have the ability to hear him. You're not so busy, which is a four letter word. I tell my kids all the time, I don't want to hear. You can say some other four letter words. It's okay. But this four letter word, I don't want to hear. Um, so when your husband said that to you, what was your reaction? I mean, what, how did, how did that evolve? You know, it was such, it was, it was a weight that I did not know I had been carrying. Mm-hmm. Because back to where you talked about, there's that little career box. It's a very small little box of what it good looks like and what this career thing is. And, you know, he opened the lid. Yes. Um, we are both data driven, right? When I think about resources and money and time, which I know is a, a big thing for you as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to be intentional with those Absolutely. And we sat down in the intro. You mentioned that my mom and my grandmother live next door. They're a part of our family unit. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, let me pick up the kids. Let me take them for the afternoon. You guys go on and figure out what you need. And we pulled up our finances. It was mm -hmm. the least sexy bar lunch anybody has ever had <laughs> in the history of the planet. Uh, but we went to one of our local sports bars and we laid our finances out on the table right in front mm -hmm. of us and said, how much do we need to make right. to support the things that we need mm -hmm. and we want in our lives? What are the things in our life that are negotiable? What are the things in our right. life right now that are not negotiable? Let's really go back and just say, get off this wheel, this inertia that we've been <laughs> on from a career standpoint and say, whoa, what do we really want for our family and what do we really need from our family? Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how much less it was in terms exactly. of time and money and resources than what we had. Mm -hmm. And that freed us up to make all sorts of decisions. Right. Um, and it, it freed me up to have different conversations. When I opened my consulting business and I talked, I talked to a lot of people that opened their own businesses at different stages to do a lot of market research. My R&D engineer background said, <laughs> go interview users, right? You go right. figure it out. And I did a lot of benchmarking. And a lot of what they told me was, well, you may have to take some clients or some jobs that you don't really like in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. I have never taken one job yet, yet growth mindset. Maybe I will, but I've never taken one job that I either didn't think I was qualified for didn't think I was going to learn something from, or I didn't think I was going to enjoy. Right. Because I'm not doing it for the money. I know what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Those jobs will allow me to grow in these other ways. And the other thing I found is that I was so much less tired. Exactly. I did not realize the mental load that I was carrying being in that little box. Mm-hmm. I was flourishing. I was doing all the right things and I was successful, but I was tired. You say your kids, you can't, they can't say they're busy. Mm -hmm. 
we're tired in our house a lot, or we used to be, but we're not. My children said, mom, you're not as grumpy as you used to be. Right. You're more fun. Mm -hmm. I love sleep. I don't need as much of it as I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm doing less work. It's because I'm doing work that fills me up and that I'm efficient at all of those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I believe so. I did write the word success because you were talking about that and you brought it up. But um, for me, I think the box oftentimes is what the masses believe is success. But in the end, when you're on your deathbed or you're watching somebody be so ill, like my husband was, uh, you know, you really think, is that success? I checked off all these boxes. I have all this money. I have, you know, titles, what initials behind my name, so forth. To me, that never was success. And I like nice things. I love vacation. To me, money is freedom to do the things that we love, which for us is oftentimes travel and experiences, um, seeing the world seeing how other people live, hearing other languages that we don't quite know or reading, you know, like when I was in Marrakesh, I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize how hard it's going to be to find my way back as I'm walking because I cannot read the street signs, you know, like they all look attention to the road, uh, to the landmarks. Yeah. You know, well, the landmarks in the marketplace all look the same. That's right. So it's very difficult to know one shop from the next because they're very much sell all the same uh, goodies for all of us tourists. But I think in the end, what really happens, you were talking about fatigue or being tired. And for me, exquisitely aligned has three promises. When you live with your truths, your soul level truths, your heartfelt desires that make your heart beat faster and then use your natural born gifts and talents the, the way only you can. They're like your fingerprint. Nobody else shares them. You have all those nuances that you can bring, like your childhood you just talked about. That served you in so many ways later in life and still serves you and serves your kids as well as you teach and share those experiences with them. And um, when you do all three other things happen, there's this whole other layer that happens, which you just tapped upon, which is um, your highly intuitive mind opens more up so that you know exactly, yes, this is the right client. I, like you said, I will learn something here. Um, I will be, feel fulfilled, which is another huge thing versus feeling drained. I believe when we take the wrong client or accept or listen to that advice, you may have to work with some people that you're not really warm and fuzzy towards. Well, for me, it, I don't know, Wendy, I think we're alike here because I heard your story. It's not fun. I do a discovery call and I tell people, you know, I am looking for people who are looking to move fast because I move fast like a New Yorker that I am. I don't sugarcoat things. So if you're very sensitive, I'm probably not your girl, you know, and on and on. I want you to be at your final destination. I want you to, when you live by those truths, your gifts and your desires, and you bring them all into fruition, the other thing that happens is you live from a place of vibrancy and synergy and your, um, your body just kind of, 
it's like fueled from the inside. It's a rejuvenating body. Like you're talking about not needing as much sleep as you thought you did because you're not being drained. You know, when you're showing everybody, hey, this is my truth. I'm standing in it. These are the clients I help. This is the book I've written to help others who maybe um, don't have the time, energy, or means, the resources to work with you right now, but uh, they're, they're able to work with you through your book and use your systems, your proven systems, you know, you're, you're bringing energy towards them in a healthy way. And that's why I don't like the word busy. When someone tells me, I, sorry, I was busy. It's like, really, do you not know how to budget your time? You know, that's kind of sad as an adult, right? Yes, my kids are still learning how to budget um, their time because my son is still early in his college career and working summer interns. But uh, so you are 100% on par. I love that you brought it up, that you don't feel tired. You don't need to sleep as much and that your family sees it and recognizes it because I believe it's been said that we touch 10,000 people in the course of our lifetime, and it could be touching them with a smile as you walk past them. And I think if we're tired or busy, we're less likely to give eye contact to a complete stranger and step into an elevator and say, good morning or hello, whatever it is, or how are you today? You know, we our head down in our phone doing our work correct. the whole time. Which is, which for me is like, how do you walk past another human being and not acknowledge them? I acknowledge the neighbor's dogs the same way as I acknowledge the, the, the humans that I walk past. Now, yes, there have been times I may have passed somebody because I was distracted. Like, okay, where did, was I supposed to turn to get to that appointment? Where's Wendy's office? You know, something like that. But. Um, I think we can touch so many more lives when we're balanced the way you're talking about. And when we find our careers or find our callings, you know, some of them are not paid and and live them fully and and bring more meaning is the word I would bring into our lives, which I think you've done for your husband, for yourself, for your kids for your pups, you know, for your mom and, and your grandmother. And um, for that, I commend you because that is something that I'm grateful you've done and that you're able to give a voice to here on Exquisitely Aligned because that's what we're all about is finding that that treasure, which I think it, I would ask you, you know, would you change anything in your life right now? No, I think there are where I am today is probably not where I will be 12 months from now, but that doesn't mean I would want to change today. Exactly. The only thing I would change is the sun would come out brighter. I am seeing shadows outside on the, the, on the lawn, which is a blessing. We haven't had sun full sun since April, the end of April. So yes, I would, uh, that's the thing I would change. You know, if I could blow the clouds away a little earlier in my day, but, um, so if you don't mind, Wendy, tell us how people, uh, can find you and, uh, maybe share a little bit about your book first and then how people can find you. Certainly. So, um, Making Flex Work is available in all the places where you can buy books, right? So you can go onto Amazon or any of your other book buying places. 
um, and get the Making Flex Work book for those that can see looks like this. Um, there is a workbook as well. If you decide you want to dig in a little bit uh, deeper, you can only get this workbook on my website, makingflexwork.com. That's because spiral binding is really important to me. And Amazon hasn't figured out how to do that yet. So I have to get these printed locally. Um, so if you want to buy the book, you could go to Amazon. If you want the workbook, go to makingflexwork.com. I am very active on LinkedIn, so you can find me at uh, my full name, Wendy Anderson Cock at LinkedIn. Um, I'm also Wendy Cock on Instagram, um, and I keep Facebook for my friends that I know, so sorry, you can't find me there. But if we become real friends, you can find me there. Um, I work with people who want to rethink the way that work is done in their organizations. So if you are a business owner, a business leader, um, a business member, and you think, wow, there are different ways we could be doing what we are doing. I would love to help you reimagine that. Uh, it could be the way that you structure your day. It could be the way that you structure your deliverables for the types of work that you're doing. And it could be the way that you even think about the programs that you're running. I help clients reimagine that. Um, and just a little insight into what's in making flex work. One of my favorite parts is this idea of being intentional with your time. And Gina, mm -hmm. I think it goes right with what your audience is listening for. So I have a four-step process called the evaluation mm -hmm. method, E, V, A, and L. E is every hour counts. This is about understanding where you are spending your time today. Mm -hmm. For nerdy people, it's a time study. For less nerdy people, it's journaling. We're just gonna write down what we're doing with our time. V is valuing optimized work. So it's about knowing when you do the best work and what's the right tool to do right. that work. Do you need to be trained on something or do you need to outsource it? Either of those would be valuing optimized work. Mm -hmm. A is assessing the expectations. This is about understanding what is on your plate. What have you put there? What has someone else put there? And does it matter? And then L is leveraging small changes. This is my R&D background saying you can do a little experimentation with your time. Let's figure out, does it make sense to get up a little earlier? Does it make sense to sleep in a little later and work a little later in the evening? Because that's when you're more efficient. Are you going to the gym in the evenings? But wow, you would be much better served to do it in the middle of the day and block off some time to do that. Mm -hmm. Is it the way that you're interacting with your phone and all of the social media that's coming into it? All of those, so E, V, A, and L, that's what you'll find in here, along with a lot of other things. But I think from a standpoint of living this kind of exquisite life, mm -hmm. knowing how you can be more intentional with that very precious resource of your time is something that I think your listeners will really take away. Yeah, and it goes, for me, I call it the art of creating beauty oh. and resources being time, money, and energy. So we, we hit on several of those today and they're so important because I believe that when your resources are being used in a way that supports you, your husband, your kids, your pups, life becomes so much easier. The, the little stuff goes to the wayside. And um, one of the words you were using, now I forgot which one it was, maybe the L, but you know, um, yeah, it was the L for me is playing, play, try things, go to the gym in the morning, go to the gym in the afternoon, take a class at night, 
you know, maybe it's two shorter classes, maybe it's two different modalities, you know, a Pilates class and a, a we like to do a, a three mile loop here in the neighborhood. And, you know, for us, we, we got into a routine where our walks were at a certain time and then we started changing it up. Well, you get to meet more more of your neighbors, right? And being new to California, it was so fun, especially during COVID. We moved during COVID. So, you know, when you when you play an experiment, research and development, you know, you, you start putting yourself in other places to meet other people, to have other experiences, to try something new, to see how you feel, if it energizes you better first thing in the morning, and then you go running through your day, you know, um, if it benefits your family better for you to go at night. I, I'm totally all about being flexible and trying new things and, and never being rigid. So um, that's awesome. So I'm going to pull a card. Let's do it. I'm going to. So these are the opening to possibilities, journal prompts, contemplation and conversation starters. You mentioned meditating. So I have clients around the world who use these to med as their um, meditation or journaling because sometimes it's hard when you look at a blank page. So I'm just going to flip through them. You tell me when to stop and then I'll read it for you. Okay, okay let's go. I'm going to start. Stop. Okay. Places. Oh, places. That sounds fun. Okay. Like we're playing. Um, so places. Movies. Yes. Physical places hold energy and evoke feelings. Where do you feel your best? Why? What do you admire most about these places? And you can answer one or all of those questions. So if you want a specific physical place, my family loves the beach. Mm -hmm. we, we spend our whole year dreaming about when we're going to be at the beach. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I believe we will end up retiring when we retire for real. Um, and for, for me, it's because the pace requires me to slow down. Mm -hmm. You cannot be fast on sand. <laughs> Even when I run, I am run slower when I am at the beach. Right. Mm -hmm. um, just the whole pace. Um, there's not a lot of cell coverage where we go when we go to the beach. Mm -hmm. So you can't have work with you all the time. You can't have right. social media with you all the time. It forces you to disconnect. Mm -hmm. and, and it forces you to connect with the people that you're physically with. So right. that second question about the space itself, mm -hmm. you love to travel and have experiences. Mm -hmm. What we love to do is take our friends and family with us places. Mm -hmm. So we like to move as a tribe, right? Wow. We The more the merrier. If we can pack 20 people into that house, we will pack 20 people into that house. And for me, it's about that very focused time with my family and my friends. And I don't care where in the world it is. We mm -hmm. can we can do it anywhere as long as we're together. Yes, I agree completely. And so for us, that's why we're here in California. So I could be, well, all four of us can be closer to the beach. We're just minutes away, which is, uh, which is my heaven. So bringing those things. And for us, I grew up at the beach, uh, water skiing, boating, all those fun things. Thanks to my dad, who had a passion, who had still has a passion for the water. And uh, and in in case you don't know, I'm guessing you do. But those people who spend time at the beach are less likely to have a lot of health issues 
They have found that the salt air and eating more seafood has health benefits, and they would suggest or recommend highly to women and men who are struggling with heart um, arrhythmias to spend time at the ocean because the lapping of the water, the ebb and flow of the water, has been known to allow people to reconnect their heart to the natural rhythm within them. So there are so many benefits. I have an entire uh, podcast, I believe, that talks about that in um, the two part of traveling, the art of bringing beauty into our lives through travel and, and how it benefits us. But the ocean, the beach, and like you talk about, you know, moving slower, and reconnecting with those relationships and having time to really hear and listen like these cards playing. I've had people take them on vacation. That's why they're in a metal tin so that they travel in your luggage beautifully or on the airplane, wherever you are. So just briefly, I want to invite those of you who don't know already to Purpose Possibilities and Prosecco. It's a two hour transformational private face reading and mentoring session for your life's purpose. We have done a bunch of them. They have been a hit. So we are going to continue with them and make them an everyday offering. If you're interested in that, just connect with me at the link below. Until next time, Wendy, thank you so much for being here, sharing your brilliance and your um, your stories and how you came to be and everything that you've put together to bring out into the world. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much. Till next time, be exquisite.